Welcome to the Between the Lines podcast. With the wildcard weekend wrapped up and the divisional championships decided, we give our takes and predict who we think will square off in the conference champs. Second, we are covering our predictions for the final four of the NCAA basketball tournament, and we, and we then continue to the blasphemous takes, and Jack will give his take of the week. To wrap it up, we are super excited to welcome Penn State football alum and New Jersey General Assembly, Adam Taliaferro, for a special interview. With the wildcard weekend in the past and six more teams watching from their couches, can the Chiefs and Packers keep their momentum after a week off? Can the Bills keep rolling and can the Browns keep up with the stacked Chiefs offense? We predict the scores for this week's playoff matchups. Let's start um, with the with the Saturday games. We got Los Angeles at Green Bay. What are your what are your thoughts, Alec? Um so I think the Packers offense is dominant. I think Aaron Rodgers is my MVP pick right now. And I think, I think he's going to pick this Rams secondary apart. Although I do think that the Rams do have a good defense that could be capable of this upset. I think that when Blake Bortles is related to a playoff game, that's just not going to go good for your team. And I, I have green Bay 28 to 18. Liam, what do you have? All right. I'm, I'm a well-known Packers hater. Um, so I think the Rams are going to surprise some people here. I mean, they have a good defense. Packers really do not have a good defensive line. I think Aaron Jones is just pretty much a system running back. So I have the Rams 31 to 28. And I think Jalen Ramsey is going to have a day with Devontae Adams. I I couldn't really disagree more. I mean, the Rams defense looks pretty good on paper, but I mean, it's just, it's just not going to be enough to counter this insane offense of the, of the Packers. So I think it's going to be 32, 16 Packers. You know, some of those words were almost enough to make me cry because they were just so beautiful. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just a bad man and he's just, it's, it's not even going to be close. I mean, the funny thing is like Liam thought that Jalen Ramsey was going to guard Devontae Adams. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is so overrated. I mean, people see him lock down DK Metcalf. I mean, the fact that DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams were being put in the same league it's just outlandish, okay? Devon Downs is going to have a field day. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day. Aaron Jones is going to have a field day. It's going to be beautiful to watch. And I think – I mean, also you got to remember, Liam, that Devontae Adams is not the only wide receiver on the team. They still have name, pre- name one other wide receiver on that team. Um, Valdez, Scantling, Lazard. I mean, and, and Aaron Jones is a good receiving back. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Devontae Adams is the only guy on that team. This yeah. this Rams defense was the number one defense in the league. I, I mean, don't it's, care. Number one, it's a playoffs. Anything can happen. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, Jack Jack cries tears of joy whenever he hears Aaron Rodgers' name. Should we move on to Baltimore at Buffalo? Jack, start us off there. Um. Well, you know, I've been I've been preaching about Josh Allen. I mean, you could you could honestly just call me a, a prophet because I believe. I believe in this man and he is beautiful because he is going to destroy the Ravens. I mean, I'm sort of against Lamar. I think he's, he's definitely a very talented runner and that's, that's definitely going to take him far, but he doesn't, they don't have the passing offense to keep up with the bills. It's just, the bills is so much more explosive. It's just, it's gonna, it's gonna, it might make me cry as well. I mean, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, I, I could, couldn't disagree with you more. I mean, the Ravens are just, 
their run de- their run game is just too good. I don't really care how bad their passing game is. They're going to be enough for the both for the Bills. Um, Josh Allen, he's overrated, man. I mean, he is the best receiving core in the league, in my opinion. Next next to Julio, next to Julio and um, Ridley, they have the next best receiving core and Beasley and Diggs. So that's for that's something for another day. But I think the Ravens are going to take this 30 23. I actually I'm here to agree with you. Um, I think the winning team in this game is going to be the one that can stop the opposing quarterback. And I think Lamar Jackson, I think Lamar Jackson is going to surprise some people in this game. He's going to run all over this Bills team. And the Baltimore defense looked great last week. They did well with Derrick Henry. Their secondary looked amazing. And, and they're going to strap Josh Allen up. That's a questionable statement right there. But he will definitely get locked down. I, I do not think Josh Allen is going to get locked down. I think if the Bills get – get ahead in this game early, I think it's over. I think if they get up by 10, even in the second quarter, it's over. I mean, the only reason the Ravens won that game was just one one big play. If they stop that one big play, this game isn't close. I'm going Bills 30 to 21. All right, moving, moving, on, to this, moving on to the Sunday games. We have Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. What do you have, Liam? I think the Browns are good, but I think they just they don't have a good defensive back or they don't have great defensive backs. I think this Chiefs wide receiver core is going to pick them apart. Forty-one to twenty-eight, Chiefs. Um, yeah, watching the Browns game last weekend, it was, it just got me in my feels, man. Like it was so great to see the Steelers just get destroyed, picked apart. Baker Mayfield. I mean, I was crying when I saw him on the State Farm commercials. It was it was a great day for me. And as much as I, I want to see the Browns, the Browns continue, I just think the Chiefs are way too much. Um, in, in Andy Reid's 22-year coaching career, he's 23-3 and three coming off of a bye, including playoff games. And just the Chiefs off of a bye, it's just they're dangerous, you know. And I think the Browns' d- biggest, defensive sec- biggest defensive weakness for the Browns is their, their secondary, and, and that's just not going to bode well with uh, Patrick Mahomes. So I – I've got 35-24 Chiefs. I, I agree completely. I mean, I think the, the Browns' defense is catered towards the run, and the the Chiefs don't really run at all. So I think that's, like Alex said, it's going to be – their secondary is going to be an issue. Um, also, people are keep saying sleep on the Browns' offense. Man, I'm going to keep sleeping. I'm going to take my long nap. It's just not that good. I mean, Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield, that's that's about it. Maybe, maybe the run game with Nick Chubb. But I think the – I think the Chiefs front four are going to be enough to, to handle that run game and, and suppress it. I got, I got Chiefs 20, 23-10. You know, I think, I think the Browns, I think you guys are sort of ruling them out. I, I still got the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs normally get off to slower starts. I think it's more like they just don't really start trying until the second half. And if, if the Browns can get to a big lead, I mean, they got the good running backs. They could, I mean, they kind of suck at game managing, which is weird. But, like, they could definitely win this game. I don't think they will, but I'm not ruling them out. I think I ruled them out last week, and they made me pay, so. All right, we'll, we'll move on to the, the second the second Sunday game. Uh, we got Tampa Bay Bucks at the New Orleans Saints. Um, we got Liam. Liam, let's start us off again. Um, last time the Bucks played the Saints, I mean, they got absolutely manhandled. Saints beat the Bucks 38-3, to but – Brady and the Bucks offense is hot. I mean, I think this is going to be a really close game. I got Saints 34 to 31. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll harp on that. It's definitely going to be a close game. I think I think t- playoff Tom Brady is just too good. It's just – like I, I said it in the last episode, Tom Brady is just has – I don't know if it's the best record in, in the playoffs or close to that, but I think – no, I think I think in regular season Tom Brady is a completely different player than postseason Tom Brady. He does not like to lose in the playoffs, and I think I'm going to give this one to the Bucs. 30 to 27. I, I had a lot of trouble picking this game, but I mean, after seeing Tampa Bay's defense struggle against the Washington football team last week and giving up 5.4 yards per play to an offense led by Taylor Heineke, come on, Taylor Heineke was literally taking math classes a couple months ago. And I think the Saints blew out the Buccaneers twice this year with wins of 34 to 23 and 38 to three. And usually I know it's, it's Tom Brady in the postseason and it's unfair to like compare it's like comparing apples to oranges with the regular season and postseason, but I just think you can't overlook the fact that they that they destroyed them in a regular season. So I've got I've got the Saints 31-24. You got to, You kind of got to remember that last game that the Saints played against the Bears, it was seven three after halftime. I mean, it's not like it's not. I don't see anything really special in the Saints offense. I mean, the Bears have one of the best defenses in the league. I know, but they couldn't. They can put up more than seven points against a Bears defense. Bears yeah, Team, teams didn't have that much trouble in the regular season doing that. I don't know why the the second or the second season in the um the well, you know what, Michael? The the Saints are gonna win. I mean, I don't know why, because they're they're much worse. I mean, they kind of stink, but I just got a feeling. I just got a feeling. I think right. Kamara is gonna have himself a game. Jared Cook, you know, Michael Thomas, this offense is they've been in a little bit of a slump recently. They're gonna take a step up this game. The Bucs, they're overrated. I think we've all known this. People just hop, hop on them because they got Brady. Overrated? All right, I'm going to be honest Excuse with you. Excuse me? Saints, Saints just need to sign Eli Manning. Like, he doesn't even need to learn the playbook. Doesn't matter how out of shape he is. Sign Eli Manning. This is a GG Saints. He's got a questionable. That's so questionable. I don't know where that came from. Eli Manning is just – he's just Tom Brady's dad. Dominic Foles are like gay parents. Okay, okay, Jack, okay, okay. Jack is in his feels today, like getting all spiritual and emotional. Yeah, this is, this is getting emotional. All right, warning, emotional. What are your What are your guys' game of the week? Like, what's What's the game you guys are going to be watching for all weekend? Bills, Bills, Ravens. That's going to be the game of the week. Any game that any game the Ravens are in there is the game of the week. Yeah. What about you guys? Think Bucks Saints will? Do you I, think I that Buc- won't be close? I got Bucks Saints. Two ancient ass quarterbacks. They said that it's gonna be shown on the History Channel. I think it'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, man. I, I mean, think, it's, it might be Breeze's last game, so you never know. I think it'll be Packers and Rams because it'll just be such a just a, a whooping that it'll just be so beautiful to watch. And I think just I don't because know about of that, that. It'll be I do not really. know about that. I mean, I, I I kind of agree with Jack. As much as it pains me to say that the Packers are gonna they're gonna destroy someone, it's just. If John Wolford isn't have, have healthy and Blake Bortles has to play quarterback, I, they're not putting up a single point. Okay, it's just not gonna happen. The boat led the Jaguars to an AFC Championship game. He's he's he, horrible. <laughs> he's like not even close to an average quarterback in this league. All right, just hopefully we... Jared Goff is healthy. Cam Akers is just gonna run all over the Packers, just trash defensive line. All right. Let's let's move it on to our next segment. Um, going into week eight of the NCAA basketball season, 
we are giving our way too early final fours for the March Madness tournament. Liam, what do you have here? All right. Well, I mean, obviously, there's just one team undoubtedly making it there. It's Gonzaga, always very well coached, almost averaging 100 points per game. And also, they're not in a particularly strong conference. Um, also, Michigan. Michigan's been hot, been led by that big white man, Dickerson. I don't remember his first name. Playing some great Big Ten basketball. And then Baylor down in the Big 12, they're playing really well. Also, very good offense. And I think the Big 12 has some extremely good competition, so they will be tested. And then I'm going to take Houston over Iowa. I think I was too reliant on Luca Garza for their entire offense, and I think Houston is the best defensive team in the NCAA, averaging less than 60 points allowed per game. I'll, I'll go next, but I'm, I'm going to give – you said Baylor – and I really didn't – when I was looking at their schedule and who they played, they only beat one ranked opponent. So it's not like they're going out and beating, like, Gonzaga or Iowa. I mean, they're, they only beat, beat one ranked opponent. But I'll start it off. I'll, again, I said Gonzaga. They beat Iowa, Kansas, West Virginia, and Virginia. And they have an easy win-out schedule. So with no ranked opponents left, they're pretty much a, a wrap. I actually said Iowa. They lead the country in points scored. They haven't really they haven't really faced super tough competition, but they definitely can have proven that they can proven that they can put up the numbers. I also have Michigan. Um, they're putting up extremely dominant wins in tough Big Ten conference. Um, they, I don't think they've they've won a game that hasn't been within a ten point margin. And for this last team, I'm going on a real stretch. I got the Drake Bulldogs. They are thirteen and zero. And they're receiving AP votes. They're third in the third in the nation in field goal percentage, second in the nation in three-point percentage, and sixth in points scored. N again, not a great conference, but they're receiving AP votes. And I think, you know, might be a surprise team. I don't even know how to respond to that just absolutely blasphemous take right there. But um, coming off of that, I also I also have Gonzaga. Um, I think they look dominant. They have a great field goal percentage and they just have all-around athletes on this team. Um, I also agree. I also think Baylor's going to win. Um, they're shooting 42.75% from three. So I think that looks good for them, despite them not being tested. I also think that they're a super good defensive team, despite not having much competition. And I, I, also, have, I also have Iowa. Um, and I just think this is a great team. With or without Luka Garza, they, they move the ball well. And they, they play good defense. And I think we're completely overhyping Michigan right here, but I, I couldn't resist. So um, I, yeah, I was I, about to say, you're a Michigan fan. You can't say that. No, I, I couldn't resist. I, I couldn't resist. So, you know, I put them in there. They're seventh in the country with wins against three ranked opponents, and I, I needed to. They're an amazing tournament team. And I think that with their great transition offense and good coaching, they're going to they're gonna win it all. They're going to win it all. Hunter Dickinson is balling. All right. Well, I mean, I think you guys made some some very valid points there. The only thing is you guys are looking at all the wrong statistics, okay? Come NCAA time, you just got to forget about this stuff, okay? You just got to think about this just logically, right? Gonzaga is probably going to be like the 1-1 the seed, you know, like the the one at the top. And that team never wins, okay? They, they usually just get, get choke a game somewhere. And it's always really funny. Duke did it. Virginia did it. And... Because of that, they're not going to get in the final four. I believe Baylor and Nova are going to make it just because, 
I don't know. I just, they kind of passed the vibe check for me. I think some other teams like Iowa, I, don't, I think Alex said Iowa's going to make it. I mean, you can just look at their logo. I mean, it's terrible. They have no chance. All right, all right. What, okay, what does their logo have to do with their playing? i got a quick question here. How, do you, how does a team pass the vibe check? I want to know. Please it's explain. Just, it's basically based off their logos. I think their logos. Their really... logos. So all right. I don't know. If a team is, is just straight trash, but they have a fire logo, they pass the vibe check, that means they're automatically making well, it to the final you, four. You also got to look at seating. You know, it's. You got. You think about it. It's usually like a one, like two one seeds, a two and a three. You know, sometimes it, it little it varies a little bit. Wasn't Texas Tech like a five seed and they made it? Yeah, I uh, mean, it, it sometimes varies a little bit, but I think I think for the two seed, I think it's between Michigan and Kansas. But Kansas I, I is just ranked like ninth. Kansas, Kansas is like fifth. Look, coming next week is the Jack's vibe check. <laughs> Jack's vibe check, where Jack vibe checks a bunch of different teams with, with no, absolutely no statistics, absolutely no knowledge of their team, and absolutely no background knowledge. If they have a cool look, logo, they're in. Look, Kansas is there for me. I, I believe Kansas is like a lock. Like they're everything but guaranteed in the in the final four because they're just they're just there. You can just tell. And then I just I think Wisconsin. I just get. Who's on, the, who's, on the, who's on the Wisconsin? Who is on the Kansas? Jack, I have a question. Who what? is on the Kansas basketball team? You know what? We don't need to concern ourselves with the relevant questions like that, Alec, because Kansas is just going to be there, and just just you don't need to look at anything else. Hey man, pass the vibe check. Look, we don't need to. We don't need this to. Man is going to pick Loyola Chicago to win it all. Okay. Repeat. As Jack said, um, we don't need to concern ourselves with the relevant questions. And moving on to even more relevant questions. I mean, Jack had a completely irrelevant question. And he thinks that these – wait, what was it? What was it? He thinks um, that Lamar Jackson will never win a Super Bowl? That's horrible. Jack, please explain it's, your take. Please explain it to us. It's just true, though, is the thing. I mean, Lamar, we've, we've watched him play. I think these first two years have been impressive, especially rushing. But I've, I, I think the passing is just such a huge factor in his game. That's just not there. And I feel like he, he's good enough to, to be put in situations where he can get there. But until he develops that passing game, he's not going to get to the Super Bowl. All right. I, I think I agree with you. I don't think – I think he might make it – I don't think he's going to make it to a Super Bowl. I just think the AFC is so stacked. And, I mean, I think his – like, his passing is comparable to Aaron Michaels throwing a ball. Like, it's not good. It is not up to par. And I think an AFC with Mahomes, the Browns, and also, and like who else? AFC, AFC's low. Yeah, the Bills, and he's he's in a stacked division with the Steelers and the Browns. And I mean, the Bengals are a promising team. He has a lot of competition, and I just I don't think he's up to par. Listen, listen. So, in my opinion, this year is not a breaker breaker bust year for him. Um, Ethan Rosenberg of Be More Breakdown said that he he a plan. Lamar plans to address the aspects of his game that need addressing, such as the passing. Dwayne Haskins did that over this offseason. Well, Look Dwayne how that Haskins, went. Dwayne Haskins is not comparable to, to um, Lamar Jackson. Let, like, let's be real here. If, if, if Lamar Jackson improves his passing, he can become a Michael Vick S quarterback and master the run and passing game. Jack, I, I just got to ask, um, does Lamar Jackson pass the vibe check for you? Um. No, no, it's just like 
he's got too much competition and I, he's throwing numbers aren't great. I know it's not entirely his fault, but I think because this is so early in his career, this is where quarterbacks sort of develop their habits. And that's why you don't see, you, you very rarely see quarterbacks just take a um, huge step up when they get later into their careers because they develop habits. And this habit is going to be hard for him to break where he's just going to struggle finding people and he's just going to look to run the ball. I mean, yeah, if we're, I think, if we're, go ahead, go ahead. No, you got it, you got it. So if we're being fair, he doesn't have great weapons. I mean, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, but like, that's about it. You're not throwing that 87-year-old Des Bryant. I think, I think uh, Lamar needs to go to a team with good weapons. And because, and the Ravens most importantly need to find a new quarterback because Mark Ingram and um, J.K. Dobbins. A new, a new quarterback. They need to find a new quarterback. The Ravens need to find a new quarterback. Okay. Because We're not even Dobbin, talking about the Ravens. We're talking about Lamar. No, listen, listen. I'm getting there. Lamar's on the Ravens. I know, but I know. we're talking about if Lamar Jackson's ever going to win a Super Bowl, not. Lamar is not, not going to win a Super Bowl on the Ravens. Oh. He's going to win. He's going to win on a team like the Falcons or the Steelers, if if James Conner decides to walk with with where Lamar can be the primary running back, and he can have great receivers like Julio, Ridley, or um the insane Steelers receiving core where he can develop his passing game. He just can't do that on the Ravens. I I think that the Ravens really aren't the problem in this situation. I think, I mean, in 2021, they'd free up about 30 mil in cap space. That's, that's enough to sign a bunch of new receivers. And I think John Harbaugh is a great coach. The Ravens are a great team at drafting. They draft great players. I think it's really just comes down to Lamar's play style. And I think with, his heavy run style in this past dominant league. I think it's just, it's simply not possible for him, but, but here's the thing is that he's, he's improving, right? His rookie year to now, you can see tremendous improvement in his past percentage. It's up like 6%. And if he continues to make those strides, I think the, the sky's the limit for him. Like Mike, Mike Vick esque, you know? All right. I I've stated this before. I hate the Mike Vick comparison. Mike Vick was a great passer. He was not that accurate, but man had a cannon for an arm. He could stretch the field with his legs and his arm. I don't see Lamar being able to do that. I see I... him succeeding because of this system. And also, I when I was watching that Titans game, I mean, half of those runs were insanely predictable. Again, he, I think he's going to be able to fix the passing game. He just needs he needs better receivers. I mean. Like I said, Des Bryant and Marquise Brown are not going to do it for him. He needs he needs like a superstar out there to help him, and I think he can't he can't be in a system where he's like a backup running back or he gets you know the second the second option. I mean, I, th- I think it's much more that like you can you've seen good you've seen good quarterbacks put up numbers with like subpar subpar wide receivers. Like, like, give me an example. Tom Brady, greatest of all time. Okay, he Wait, had some... when? Dude, what year? The Patriots. The Patriots. Are you yeah. kidding me? I, you, I mean, I think a no, better no, example no, is no, like no. Drew Brees earlier when he was earlier when he was with the Saints. I mean, that team was just full of bums, but he was still throwing for five thousand yards each year. What year? Drew Brees threw for five thousand yards like no. Twice. What what year? Oh, like 20, 2010, 2012, 2009. It's it's his play style, dude. There's no way. There's like it's so hard for people to be 
so dominant in this past league with their legs. I think that like you just get knocked around and that just causes injury. So he needs to be able to sit in the pocket. And I also think like you haven't seen it. that many like running mobile quarterbacks win Super Bowls. You've seen them make Super Bowls. You've seen Donovan McNabb go to the Super Bowl and lose. You've seen um, Cam Newton go to the Super Bowl and lose. No running quarterback has gone to the Super Bowl and won. Oh, Cam Newton's not a mobile quarterback? Yeah, that, he for sure is. What do you mean? Not anymore. 2015, that man was rushing for like almost a thousand yards. Yeah, he are, he is not like right now. he is like the modern mobile quarterback. This guy, he he's powerful. He's huge. He trusts yeah, he these rushes, guys. He, yeah, he gives you those two yard rushes. He's not a mobile quarterback. He's in mobile. his prime. He's, he was yeah, not no. in his prime. He's, he was so now. mobile. The system is not built for him in right. New England, but yeah. in Carolina it was. Yeah, and in Carolina he was a great runner. All right, moving on to the next section. In 2000, Talaferro joined the Penn State Nighty Lions football team as one of the top-rated freshmen in the, of the 2000 recruiting class. His story caught national attention when in his fifth game at PSU, he, he suffered a career-ending spinal cord injury. Since then, Mr. Mr. Talaferro has started the, the Talaferro Foundation and, ha, and has been elected to the New Jersey General Assembly. We are super excited to welcome Mr. Talaferro and we are so thankful that you took time out of your day to talk to us. So, so first question, um, growing up playing football, who were your, some of your idols in the sport? Uh, well, first off, I just want to thank you guys so much for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here with you guys. Awesome podcast. Uh, for me growing up, I grew up in South Jersey. So I've always been a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So growing up for me, Randall Cunningham is a long time ago. Randall Cunningham was a quarterback, and like that was my idol. He was like the guy I wanted to be like. I um, played for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I started playing football when I was seven, and uh, that's kind of how my journey began. Pop Warner. Yeah, my, and it, it's so it's interesting because I wanted to play. You know, when I was six, and my mom, my mom hated football from day one, so she never wanted me to play. And I was always like the smallest guy on the field, so she right. wanted me to play when I was six. Then my dad finally convinced her when I turned seven to let me go out and play. And I started my first time playing football was when I was seven. Yeah. Uh, after everything that's happened with you, and um, I'm just really wondering, would you would you let your kids play football? Yeah, like, you know, a lot of people ask me that question because I have, I have a son that's five, and I have a daughter that's three. And my son, like he, he says now he wants to play football. My wife and my mom and my mother-in-law, like, hate the fact that he even thinks about wanting to play football. <laughs> and I, I tell people, like, I feel like my accident was a freak accident. Like, I could have just uh, just as easily been injured in a car accident or whatever it may be. It was kind of like lightning striking. So if he wanted to play, I, I, would, I wouldn't stop him from playing. Um, I would tell, he knows, like, he's seen my injury. He's seen it on TV. And he knows there's, you know, there's risk to playing football. But uh, I wouldn't stop him from playing. His, his mom may answer di- my my wife. His mom may answer differently, but I wouldn't stop him from playing. Um, yeah. Was being a politician always your backup plan in case football didn't pan out? Uh, Liam, I, if you would have asked me when I was in high school, do you want to be in in public service? I would have said, heck no, like no <laughs> way. I, I had no interest whatsoever. And the way I got involved was when I after I got married, I moved to where I live at now. And the Senate president of the New Jersey legislature represents my district. And we, we became friends and we got to know each other. 
And he was the one that got me involved. He told me he, he, he has a daughter with special needs. And that was the reason why he got involved in public service because he wanted to give back. And for me, I had my injury and I want to help people you know, that, that need assistance. And that's the reason why I got involved in, 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 in politics. And uh, it's been five years, but I, I can tell you 100%, there was no, no grand plan. It just kind of happened. And uh, I was a creature of just good timing to, to get involved in, uh, in politics. Uh, would you would you ever think think about returning to coaching or maybe maybe be a secondary coach for Penn State or anything like that? Maybe high school football? Yeah, no, it, 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 of course, uh, football is, is, is my number one. Like, I love it still. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I still, I'm still pretty connected with the Penn State football team and Coach Franklin, who's the coach up there. But coaching, I tell people, it's like, you got to like, that's like your life. Like, especially college coaches, like when you're not coaching, you're recruiting. Right. You're not recruiting, you're getting ready for the season. So it's definitely not something that I would want to do, but I enjoy I enjoy it very much as a fan these days. Fair enough. Um, going going back to kind of the, the high school and college transition, did you have any other offers besides Penn State? Yeah, you know, I was I was very fortunate. You know, my my, my high school year, my, my sophomore year, I, I got my first offer. My first first scholarship offer was uh, Nebraska. And then after Nebraska offered, I got like you know, I um, went through my junior year and got, I had like 40 offers and it came down to it was my last five schools was uh, Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Barker's because I'm from New Jersey and um, Stanford and uh, Penn State when I when I committed to Penn State they were the number one ranked team in the country it was uh, 1999 and I just thought it was a perfect fit Penn State's only three hours from my house and uh, Coach Paterno, who, who was the coach at Penn State at the time, said, you know, if you come, uh, you'll play as a freshman, you'll get an opportunity to play early. And that was all I needed to hear because, you know, for me, my dream was playing the NFL. So I thought if I get there, I play early as a freshman, I'll play there for a few years and then, you know, go on to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's all you got to hear. Number number one ranked in the country and you're going to get a starting job. Nothing better than that. Yeah. Uh, you talked about uh, Coach Paterno. Um, what role did he have in your life and your recovery? Yeah, uh, Coach Paterno, uh, I, I tell people all the time, you know, when I got there as a freshman, you know, Coach wasn't really too fond of playing freshman because he always thought if you had to rely on freshmen to win a game, you were in big trouble. So, um, you know, he gave me an opportunity to play early. And as a freshman, I didn't, you know, he was a coach. I didn't interact with him too much, but I learned more about Coach Paterno after my injury. When I came back and I could no longer play football or help the football team, he was there for me more than anybody. He um, he was like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? He, you know, he kind of helped direct me. Uh, he wrote my letters of recommendation for law school, and, and I stayed in contact with him until the point he passed away. Uh, he'll always be a big influence on my life, and without him, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to, to go to Penn State. Um, who were the biggest supporters in your journey back from that injury? Yeah, um, I was so lucky. You know, of course, you, you expect your family to be there, so you know, my mom and dad and my younger brother were, were there every day, but there were so many people that I had never met in my life that were like send letters or come to the hospital. So it, it's hard for me to point out any single person outside of my family, but of course my, my teammates, when I was at Penn State, uh, coach, all my coaches, they would come to the hospital, they would fly to, I was in the hospital in Philadelphia, which is about three hours from Penn State, but they would fly down to, to, to Philadelphia every Thursday to come see me in the hospital. I can't tell you, can't tell you what that mean, meant for me going through that recovery. I was in the hospital for eight months 
and have, you know, my teammates come in there every week really helped inspire me. So my family, my teammates, and just the, the, the community at large, uh, you know, the Penn State community, South Jersey community where I'm from, um, had so much support, so many prayers. And without that, I wouldn't have gotten through that injury. So, so with the, with your return to, to Beaver Stadium, when you, when you walk on the field, that was amazing moment I saw in the documentary, but you started to run, like jog a little bit. Do you remember that or how did that feel? Yeah, you know, it makes me feel old, man, because that was like 20, 21, well, 20 years ago. And I, I remember when I was still in the hospital, the coaches were like, you know, when you come back, we want you to lead the team out the tunnel. And I remember looking at them like they were crazy because I still couldn't walk at that time. I'm like, yeah, like, this is like unreal. How am I going to lead the team out the tunnel if I, I can't walk? But, you know, thankfully, I, pro I progressed to the point where I was able to, to walk. And when I left the hospital, I was walking with crutches. Even when I got the, back to Penn State, I had crutches. And they were like, all right, you can just walk out with the crutches. And I thankfully continued to progress. And I didn't need the crutches anymore. But it was like two weeks until the game was uh, coming. And they said, OK, you're going to lead the team out. So. I remember walking to, through the tunnel as the game was starting and we had 109,000 people in the stadium that day and so many people were like chanting my name and this adrenaline went through me that I never felt in my life. And I started, I remember walking and the crowd started getting louder and louder and I started to like skip a little bit and I ran a little bit. And I tell people all the time that, it, that feeling, I, I, I've never felt a feeling like that. And I haven't run since that day because of my injury. I still, you know, I can't run, but I was, I, I feel so, fortunate to have been able to have that moment in my life and, and most importantly just to let people know that I was okay again after the uh, after the injury yeah um would you say that like that moment like if you'd envisioned it in your head like was that moment of coming back onto the field your driving factor to get back yeah Alec you, yeah I think you hit the nail on the head that was something I thought about every day in therapy after the coaches said you know we want you to lead the team out the tunnel and I, I still wasn't walking that gave me a goal, you know, something I wanted to achieve to, to get to that point, to, to show everyone that I was okay. So every day I, I would do, you know, three therapy sessions a day, one in the morning for two hours. Then I would do an, an hour before lunch and I would do two hours in the evening. So it was about five hours of therapy, therapy every day. And there'd be times I, that I would get tired, days that I wouldn't want to do therapy, but I would always think about that moment, being able to come out the tunnel. And that, that really pushed me each and every day. So I think that was definitely... My, my North Star as I was going through my, my physical therapy. So, so what would your, if you had to give a message to kind of kids facing the same thing that you did, would you give them a goal? Would you tell them to set a goal for themselves or what would you, what would you tell them? You know, the biggest thing that I would tell anyone going through this injury, young or old, is to take it one day at a time because, you know, when you're, when you're going through these injuries, things don't happen quickly. Like, you know, for me, it took me eight months to relearn how to walk again. But every day I saw little small recoveries, little small wins throughout the day. And it could, it could become frustrating because you, you don't see big, big recoveries from week to week, but you do see small things. So I tell people, take, take each day as it is, as, 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 as each day is a step in your recovery and enjoy the, the, the wins that you have each and every day because you're working towards that goal. So it teaches you a lot about patience. I was, I was 17 when I had my injury and uh, I didn't value every day like I do now, but the injury, I, I say the injury was bad, but the life lessons that I learned going through that injury were, were priceless. 
how how did those life lessons that you learned through football and through your injury kind of relate to your career in public service now? Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest thing was just teaching me to appreciate people. You know, prior to my injury, I thought, hey, you know, I got the Penn State on my own. Uh, you know, it was all about me. But when when you're paralyzed and you can't move anything from the neck down, you quickly learn you have to rely on other people to, to get through life. And I think that's when we think about public service, that's what, you know, you know, being in, in politics, being in government, you're there to help people. People rely on you at times to help them get through their lives. So I, I equate a lot of my recovery to, to the people that I deal with each and every day because they're, they're, they're looking for some hope, looking for someone to, to help them get back to, to a normal way of living. So uh, every day I'm inspired by the people I get to work with and, and thankful for the opportunity to, to serve in this role because uh, you know our, our terms are every two years. So they, every two years, it could be a chance that I could get voted out. But until that day comes, I'm gonna to continue to do uh, this, this job to the best of my ability. Um, continuing with public service, do you think politics belong in sports? Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's definitely a, an interesting question because over the last year or two, we're definitely seeing a, a big infusion of, of, of politics into the, the athletic realm. And I, what I tell people all the time is that athletes are, are, are people too. You know, uh, it's, it's their lives are not just on a, on a court or a field, but they're, they're seeing a lot of things that are happening across the country that they have a platform to speak out on. So I, I applaud, you know, it's not for everybody, but for those that feel uh, compelled to, to speak their mind on, on, on issues that, that are affecting them personally and, and others that they care about, I, I give them credit because it's not an easy thing to do when you're in the public eye because, you know, everyone's got a, an, an opinion where, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people that agree with you. There's gonna be a lot of people that disagree with you in whatever you say in, in today's society. Exactly. That, that makes a lot of sense. You got to gotta be careful what you say on all time. Oh, why, why are you fixing that? Um, you guys hear me? So oh, we had talked a little bit before about, about kids coming back to, with similar injuries that you had. Um, and the Italia Ferro Foundation, which could you talk to us a little bit about that and the work that it does with kids coming back from injuries? Yeah, yeah. The, the foundation was created. So basically... Um, when I was going through my injury, a lot of people in Penn State raised a ton of money for my lifetime care because they weren't sure if I was going to walk again. Uh, they raised o- over uh, half a million dollars, so almost $600,000 they raised for my recovery. But thankfully, I recovered. I didn't need any of that money. But what we saw when I was in the hospital was there's a lot of people that do need that, those funds and that don't have that same amount of support financially and emotionally that like I did when I was going through my recovery. So the foundation was created. Uh, to help people financially and emotionally get through their injuries, whether it's buying them a wheelchair or, or helping them pay to make their homes wheelchair accessible uh, emotionally, you know, being there to, to talk to people and help them understand what the injury means. And the foundation, uh, I, I tell people, that my name's on the foundation, but without the support of so many people, the foundation wouldn't be what it is today. So the foundation was created about 20 years ago, and we've raised over a million dollars uh, to date to help people get back, uh, get back their lives, you know, financially and, and emotionally. That's amazing. Um, what, if you, what are your goals coming up with, for the foundation for yourself in the next coming years, next five years, what do you got planned? I think, you know, from a foundation perspective, our, our biggest goal is, is continuing to, to raise money to, to help patients. I, I, I'm really proud because the foundation, no one 
on our foundation uh, is paid a salary. Every dollar that's raised goes back to, to helping patients directly. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with, with life's necessities, um, whether it's you know purchasing a, purchasing a van for someone who's in a wheelchair so they can have uh, access to transportation. So for us, it's continuing to, to, to raise money, continuing to get the word out about the foundation. And, and for me personally, it's continuing to be a mouthpiece for, for people who've had similar injuries to myself because I was fortunate I got injured playing at Penn State. You know, I got injured on TV. A lot of people saw it. Uh, you know, a lot of people care about Penn State, which in turn made them care about me. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that have injuries every day that aren't, you know, aren't injured on TV or don't have the platform that I've been fortunate to have had uh, with this injury. So I will continue to, to advocate for those who, who are in need and, um, and you know, thanks, thankful to, to folks like yourselves and, and your podcast for allowing me to, to share my story. Yeah, so how, how could someone get involved with your foundation? Yeah, so our, our foundation, um, you know, we're always looking for support. We have a, a, a website, which we're actually redoing our website. We're going, you know, 2021, we're doing a whole new rebranding with a new logo, but the foundation is talaferrofoundation.org, uh, T-A-L-I-A-F-E-R-R-O, foundation.org. And, um, you know, you can find out all about us on, on our website. And, we, you know, we do different fundraisers throughout the year. And as I mentioned, our biggest thing is just making sure that we support patients in, in any way that we can. Awesome. I, I got one more, one more question, I think. So I want to talk a little bit about Penn State football right yeah. now. How, how are you feeling about their season? Ooh, it's a tough one this year. Tough one for the boys. You know, we, uh, at Penn State, they, you know, since Coach Franklin has come, we've had, they've had, a, you know, a lot of success. You know, they've won the Big Ten Championship. They've had nine, 10 win seasons, uh, been in bowl games every year since it's been there. This year, that wasn't the case, you know, with the, with the pandemic. Uh, a lot of things outside of, you know, injuries. Um, Journey Brown, our top running back, had to retire due, due to a heart condition. Um, so it was just a, a tough year all around. Um, I'm excited for next year. I, I think, you know, we've got a lot of guys coming back. We've got a new offensive coordinator coming in. And uh, hopefully, you know, guys can get back to having an all-season program and, 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 and practicing and things like that. So I, I think, you know, this, this year was an anomaly. You will not see Penn State having another losing season next year. And uh, we'll be ready to, to beat the likes of Michigan. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to see Harbaugh back for, for a few more years. We don't, we don't want to see him leave because uh, he's been helpful to other folks in the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> I hope, hopefully Michigan can have a bounce back year. Not well, with Harbaugh. I got a lot of love for the Wolverines and uh, – uh, essentially, my, my high school classmate, she, she coaches the, the women's team, the women's basketball team. She's an assistant coach there. So I always try to try to get her to send me some Michigan, you know, some Jordan gear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for being on. Um, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to be with us. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys. You guys are so far ahead of the game, man. Anything I can do to support, uh, always feel free to reach out to me. And uh, best wishes to you on the podcast. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank, really, you. Thank, really, you. Really, really... Thank you, Mr. Talia Farrow, for being on this week. We enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you. Uh, next week, we are I'm giving a blasphemous take, um, and we are talking about the just-in hardened trade deal to the Nets. This is probably the first time you'll hear about it because it happened 30 seconds ago, and we'll see you next week.